nearly 2,000 years earlier, on that first Easter morning, women walked together toward a room, toward a tomb, excuse me, with no reason for hope. A week earlier, Jesus had willingly entered the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to shouts of praise as pilgrims celebrated that he arrived into the holy city. By the end of the week, Jesus is dead and buried as far, far as his followers were concerned. The week was a total disaster. Jesus had excited their hopes for the kingdom. He gave them reason to believe that God was coming in order to liberate and to show forth his power. But it seems that their hopes have been nailed to a cross. Seminary president and friend Mark Laberton, he shares the story of sitting on an airplane with a nearly completed manuscript of a book. The manuscript was about seeing others through the eyes of Jesus, the workings of a book about a living God who changes hearts and how loving God must include loving your neighbor. Mark was holding the manuscript in his lap when all of a sudden what he perceived to be a nosy neighbor next to him looked at what he was holding in his lap and asked him about the manuscript, asked if he was the author of the manuscript. Mark answered the questions quickly and then kept returning to the manuscript on, the lap, on his lap when all of a sudden the woman next to him said, is that a work of fiction? And Mark said no, and then turned back to his manuscript, paused, and then looked back at her and said, well, I suppose that's the whole question. Mark then fell into a pondering trance. Is this book a work of fiction? From the start, people and followers of Jesus have wondered something similar. Is it all real? I invite you to hold that question in your mind and in your hearts as we now step into the story of Mark's gospel on that first Easter morning as women now approach the tomb in order to perform a burial rite. This is Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over... Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh God, may 
the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And God, we pray too that you, you by your spirit, that you will break through the familiarity of this story that we too may be startled. Open our eyes to see you more clearly. We desire to hear from you this day as we hold before you all of our faith, all of our doubts, all of our questions, all of our worship. Praying this together in the name of Jesus, amen. Author Pico Ayer wrote an essay published in Time magazine titled, Death Be Not a Stranger. In the essay, essay, Ayer tries to come to grips with making peace with death. And I quote, one reason why we cannot seem to learn to die, of course, is that death is the one great adventure of which there are no surviving accounts. Death, by definition, is what happens to somebody else. Yet, death is more certain than love and more reliable than health. When we arrived to the abrupt and maybe somewhat unsatisfying ending of Mark's gospel, it appears that we will have no surviving accounts of Jesus rising from the dead as the women flee from the tomb, terrified. However, we now know that the silence was not kept. The news was simply too good to be kept silent. The Sabbath was over, the day of rest and worship, and three of the women who had followed Jesus for years are now able to go to the tomb to anoint him. They have brought spices and are on their way to the tomb to finish the burial rites on Jesus' body. They fully expect to see a body wrapped in linen. They are most worried about what to do about the stone. Upon arriving, they discover that the massive stone placed at the entrance to the tomb, that it has been rolled away. Interesting that we have only women. If this was a story made up by the early church, it was definitely a dumb idea to have only women as the first witnesses to the resurrection. Jewish courts did not even accept the testimony of female witnesses in Jesus' time. After they enter the tomb, an angelic figure reassures them and explains the meaning of the empty tomb. He says the incredible words, he is not here, he has been risen. The women are told to go and tell the disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Out of all of Jesus' early disciples, Peter's failures are most clearly noted in Mark's gospel. This is a wonderful word of grace to Peter, and it is a wonderful word of grace to us. Because failure shapes all of our lives. Jesus is alive, and he keeps his promises, and he does not give up on people, no matter how great their failure. And what is the women's response? We are told they respond with fear. That makes sense to me. 
Everything that they have been through to date has been completely overwhelming, and now what they are being told, it is utterly unbelievable. I wonder, how do you imagine that you would have responded if you were standing there before that tomb? On that first Easter morning, the grieving women, they had no reason for hope, but God comes with an infusion of hope to a people who are teetering on the edge of despair because of the sacrificial death of Christ. People powerless to save themselves, they have experienced a grand reversal. I think buried deep within all of us is a longing for hope, a longing to know that there is something to live for beyond our current situation, a longing to live life with a hopeful expectation that God will be present and that he will speak to you, empower you, and that he can change everything that is going on currently in your life, a longing for God to be alive, active in our lives, active in the lives of those we love, and active in our world. Friends, the resurrection was as inconceivable for the first disciples, as impossible for them to believe as it is for many of us today. The people of Jesus' day were not predisposed to believe in resurrection any more than we are. Three fundamental lines of evidence intertwine to, to convince us that Jesus rose from the dead. The fact of the empty tomb, the testimony of numerous witnesses, and the long-term impact on the lives of Jesus' followers. Jesus offered not a spark of hope, but a transforming hope, and ushered in a movement that truly turned the world upside down, a movement that exploded in the first century because of an empty tomb, and as we learn from the other gospel stories, Jesus' multiple resurrection appearances to multiple people on multiple occasions. What started with three women running on trembling legs to a tomb on that first Easter morning has grown to over two million people around the globe professing faith in Jesus. It is a hope that cannot be contained. The Jesus story refused to die. One key way we know the resurrection is not a work of fiction is because of how the lives of the first disciples were changed. The rapid growth of the early church, it is unexplainable, apart from an empty tomb. However, an empty tomb in and of itself does not present a persuasive argument for the resurrection. An empty tomb means that the body was not there. The burden of the Christian proclamation was on the experience of the first disciples who saw the risen Christ. Most of the early witnesses came to faith in Jesus as the resurrected Lord, not because they could not find his dead body, but because they found Christ alive. At least nine of the original apostles gave their lives for saying that Jesus walked away from a tomb. They insisted to their dying breasts that they had physically seen Jesus bodily raised from the dead. Not a one of them made a deal with authorities to save themselves. They went to their deaths telling this story. 
prior to the resurrection, Peter lied to save himself. After the resurrection, he would not deny allegiance to Christ even to the point of death. Peter eventually was hung upside down and crucified. A tortuous death because of his belief in a resurrected Jesus. Something real happened that transformed people in a powerful way. We don't know how it happened, but the disciples who were there know that it happened. There was a clear impact on the people who saw this event. And they were motivated to spread this great news at enormous cost to themselves. 2,000 years later, nothing less than the power of the risen Christ could inspire Christians around the globe to remain faithful despite prison, torture, and death. Which reminds us of the important work to pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted around the world. Jesus is risen from the dead. That is the thrilling message of Easter, one that you can bet your life upon and to the extent that the resurrection is real to you. It will change everything about how you live life in the present. I have carried with me this week in my mind and in my heart many people as I have pondered the hope and the joy of the resurrection. One person that I've carried with me this week is Susan. My friend Susan has a wicked sense of humor, and she loves people well. She is notoriously playful, funny, sings in choirs. She's just recently written a hymn and is a caregiver at heart. She expresses gratitude easily for those who make the journey with her. Her amazing husband, her kids, her grandkids, and her friends, and to the author of life who has blessed her with the gift of gifts in life itself. Her life verse comes from Romans chapter 5, which talks about how suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Her life has not always been easy. She knows tragedy and suffering. She experienced the heartbreaking loss of the death of an elementary age child. And she now journeys with terminal cancer. She experienced recently a stroke. Her speech now affected by it. She works hard to say what she wants to say to others which feels particularly cruel for someone who is so social. However, Susan's faith allows her to live with hopeful expectation. The faithfulness of God is what she is counting on more resolutely than ever before for herself and for her family. She lives with hope. And it is not some sort of vague hope or some sort of psychological device that helps her to put one foot in front of the other. No, friends, this is a concrete hope, a living, breathing hope 
a spirit-infused, life-altering hope. She, choose to live, she chooses to live life fully in the present. She has a peace, honestly, that makes no sense. Because of the resurrection, she is able to face the worst things with hope and with faith. And you better bet that there is joy in her journey as she lives in a glorious, never-ending dance of grace. In the good news of Easter, suffering will not be her final word, and it will not be the final word for us. The truth of an empty tomb and a resurrected Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything about death. It changes everything about life. You do not have to be afraid anymore. The one who knows what we are like and who gave himself freely on the cross, he longs for us to have fellowship with him and to bless us with the richest, most purpose-filled life imaginable and to surrender ourselves entirely to his mercy and to his grace and to change our hearts and to give us peace and power and the ability to live and to love like Jesus not only for our well-being, but so that we can be a blessing to each other and to the world. What difference does Easter make? Easter means nothing is impossible with God. Moreover, that life triumphs over death. Love triumphs over hatred. Hope triumphs over despair. And suffering will not have the final word. Friends, Easter is not the end of the story. It is the beginning, that ending in Mark. It becomes a never-ending story. The baton passes to us. It is now our time and our turn to help one another to cultivate hopeful expectation and to live as a resurrection community. We do not face a hopeless end. We face an endless hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives life and meaning to everything. Death does not have the final word. And we have new life in Christ. Go and share this amazing news with all the world. Amen. Pray with me. Oh God, on this Easter morning, we thank you. For this miracle that our minds can barely begin to comprehend. God, we are profoundly grateful for Christ's victory over death. We thank you for an empty tomb and a resurrected Jesus. We thank you that you came to restore all creation and to make all things new. So God, as Christ burst forth through the tomb, from a tomb, may new life burst forth in us and show itself in acts of love and healing to a hurting world. Your resurrection is the source of our greatest hope. To you be honor and glory and power this day and forevermore. We pray together because Jesus is alive and we can live with hope. We make this prayer. Amen.